Hey guys, Small Line on the Outside is a TV show podcast where we talk about a different TV show per podcast season. So if you've ever gone into our past, into our history, into our archives, if you will, you've noticed all the different TV shows that we talk about. So we've talked a lot about Doctor Who, about Sherlock, but we've also talked about 24, 24 Live Another Day, The X-Files, and now Smallville. And guess what? I have a plan for the future. I'm not going to tell you about it, though, because I want to keep it a surprise. You'll just have to wait and see. So make sure that you subscribe to this podcast, like it, review it, tell your friends about it, because the next show we talk about might be your favorite. Hey, what's up, and welcome back to Smaller on the Outside, or as I would like to call it, SOTOCAST! The first, the best, and the only Smallville podcast that you just can't miss. My name is Dave, and I will be the hero for you today, and while I normally have a co-host with me, this season's one-man show is recovering Smallville. That's right, everyone. Mono, e mono, just you and me. I may be a little bit sick this week, so you might think that I'm really nasally. That's why. Last week, we took a look at the ninth season of the show, which I called the one with Zod, which was one of the darkest seasons of the show, but sometimes you just have to get through the dirt and the grime and the muck and the whatever to return to the light, which was basically what season 10 was, the one with Superman. A more realistic name for the name might be the one with Darkseid, as Superman doesn't exactly show up until the last five minutes of the season, but I mean, it is what it is. We've all been waiting for it, and it is what you'll remember best of what occurs in the season. Don't forget, this is the 12th season finale of the podcast, so I'll reveal what the 13th season will cover, as well as talk about the individual character arc seen in the final season of Smallville in just a hot second. First, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Take it away, me. Welcome back. All right, so as mentioned before, this episode marks the season finale of the podcast, which means the next time you'll hear the podcast, we'll be talking about a different show. Mark your calendars for April 29th, two weeks from now. I'm taking a week off. I got some doctor's appointments to take care of, but we'll be back the following week to kick off the 13th season of Smaller on the Outside, which we'll be covering, wait for it, Alias, which will be a hugely popular show that originally aired on ABC. If you haven't seen it, I definitely suggest you check it out. It's an interweb of TV show logic that the deeper you dig, the crazier it gets. It's crazy. It'll work exactly like Smallville did, so each episode of the podcast will cover an entire season, and there are five seasons of Alias, so there will be five episodes of season 13 spanning five weeks. Sound good? Great! So, what's season 10 of Smallville about already? I'm glad you asked. Season 10 of Smallville is ultimately about two main things. Darkseid taking over and possessing everyone on the planet, which poses as a significant threat to Clark because anyone could be a threat, and of course, Clark's ultimate rise to becoming the hero we all know him to be, Superman. In general, the Darkseid storyline isn't as concrete as it probably wanted to be. The idea behind him is just that he's basically Satan or the Antichrist or something, and he needs followers and he plans to basically destroy Earth with his planet Apocalypse. That's fine and dandy, but it's really a very, very vague plot. The only thing that's worth focusing on is Clark's eventual rise, and even that isn't focused on as much as it would it should be. On one hand, I get it, they had a lot of puzzle pieces to put together before he could get there, but there's a few episodes in the season that I don't want to call filler, but they aren't exactly super important either. 
when they could have easily had Clark as Superman by the mid-season finale, which is probably what they should have done. But I digress, let's look at some of the independent character storylines. Enter Clark Kent in his final hour of being the Blur. It's uh, his eventual path to being Superman. Yeah, he's been on that path for the last 10 years, but this is it. This season puts the final piece of the puzzle in place and waits for the fans to go crazy. But this season is more than just Superman. It's it's more than just battling the evil Emperor Darkseid. It's also about his engagement to Lois Lane. Honestly, the entire season is largely based around the steps and hurdles they need to get through to get hitched. So Lois's story, for the most part, is specifically tied to Clark's. Anytime you see her, it's basically connected to Clark, so I edited her here as well. But overall, I stress this more than anything. The biggest things you will remember about this season, about Clark, about anything, is that it's about his path to being Superman. So that's the most important thing to notice. Tess Mercer doesn't really have a huge storyline this season. The writers of this show often have this problem, where some seasons characters have pretty big importance and then later on, they're more or less discarded or shoved into helper territory. The main thing you need to remember about Tess is this season, you truly discover that she's a Luther. She's mostly referred to as Lutessa, but if you pay close enough attention, you see that her name is truly Lutessa Lena Luther, and Lena, of course, is the character you see on Supergirl, so it's the same character. Her connection to the Luthers are uh, ultimately important to her storyline with alternate Lionel when he pops up this season. But that's basically where her importance lies. When it comes to Chloe, color me surprised, she's not in the season, almost at all. She's in there, don't get me wrong, but she's basically a special guest star. Looking it up, I see she was in 11 episodes, which is technically half of the season, but it feels more like 5 episodes. Heck, part of the plot surrounding her was trying to find out where she went in the first place, which was she traded herself for Oliver, was thought to be dead because she took a cyanide pill, but she also took an antidote, faked her death, and went into hiding for a majority of the season. She showed back up for a Matrixy like episode and then said, Sorry, fellas, gotta go again, even though she was going to be Lois's maid of honor. Never mind. Let's carry on. There were other side stories found in the season as well, including Oliver's story. I never really mentioned any of Oliver's seasonal stories in the podcast because he's a minor uh, of a character as a git, and he mostly is just shoved to helper territory with a special episode that focuses on him. The same could basically be said about the 10th season as well, but I guess there's a little bit more to it this time around since the dark side darkness took possession of Oliver, which turned him into a bit of a double agent and a threat to Clark. But in the end, Clark had to fix him as he usually does, right? But apart from all that mumbo-jumbo, we also have a series landmark episode, uh, or a few of them anyway, so let's look at those real quick. I initially didn't think there was going to be a lot of landmark episodes in Season 10, since it is the final season. What can you say about this being whatever? But then again, it is the final season. It's going to have the most connections to Clark being Superman, and therefore the most landmark episodes. Looking at what I marked down here, I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 landmark episodes, which is the most amount of landmark episodes any of the seasons have seen thus far. Uh, in fact, the first four episodes of the season are landmark episodes. The, 
here's the reason why. The first episode was a landmark episode because it's the first glimpse we actually get to see of the real Superman suit, the same one that Brandon Ruth wore in Superman Returns. It's also the first time we see Darkseid, which is a huge villain in the Superman mythos. We see the first real clone of Lex, uh, which is a huge storyline in the season, as well as a threat to Clark as a general term. This is a huge episode. The second episode was a landmark because you see that Clark has created a new suit for him, himself. Even though he just got the Superman suit, even though this is true, he created a new, he fashioned a new suit for himself. It was made of leather uh, and things like that. It was a red leather jacket, blue t-shirt, and uh, blue jeans, I guess. So he's back to being the red-blue blur, even though nobody actually calls him that anymore. The third episode was a landmark episode because it has the Green Arrow come up to public and ID himself as the Green Arrow. He he comes out, basically, as saying, I am the Green Arrow, like Iron Man does in the movie. I actually thought this happened way earlier, and I'll talk about that more uh, later, but this is important for the series because everybody now knows who the Green Arrow is. The fourth episode is a landmark episode because, well, it's a series landmark episode. It's a 200th episode. Nothing important really happens in the episode as far as that's considered, but it is important to note it's the 200th episode, which in general is seen as a landmark episode for any show. If any show gets to episode 200, they call it a landmark episode. Um, episode 14, we're skipping down about 10 episodes. I call that a landmark episode because it again is the official start of Clark wearing his glasses. And I said that last season as well, but that was more of a tease as well. This is the actual first time he wears glasses in an attempt to stay hidden from everyone as Clark Kent. Um, so this was actually major, majorly impressive. It's major, very important uh, Episode 20, 21, and 22 are the final uh, important episodes as far as landmarks considered. Uh, episode 20 is called Prophecy. I call this one landmark because it introduces you to gold kryptonite. Uh, so gold kryptonite had been spoken about on the show before at this point, but we hadn't seen it yet. So I considered this landmark because it's the first time you see gold kryptonite. Um... I call the 20, uh, episode 21 landmark because it has the Clark and Lois marriage, which is hugely important for the show, for the characters, and for the series, uh, and for the yeah everything. Episode 22, obviously it's the last episode of the series. Uh, it's landmark because you get to see a new power for Clark, which is flight, as well as Clark being Superman for the first time, which we all knew was going to happen. But let's go ahead and break down the season episode by episode. Episode 1 is called Lazarus. I call this one the one with the Lex clones. Unlike prior seasons, this season started off immediately where the last one left off. Clark lands from his fall from the skyscraper, and Lois finds his body, but he's in another dimension right now. Some kind of heaven or in-between area, and in that dimension he sees some interesting things, like the cross he was strung up to in the pilot episode of the show. And at this point, you're like, okay, I get it. It's the final season. It's time to give the rest of the show some shout-outs. 
Uh, even Lex shows up, but you can't see his face, of course. But I'd say it's decent foreshadowing. Lois takes the dagger out of him, which ultimately cures him enough to wake him. Uh, then she watches from afar him use his abilities for the first time. She also goes to the Kent farm and finds the uh, Superman suit, the same one Brandon Ruth wore in the Superman Returns film. Uh, he warns Chloe that the greatest evil may be Lex, given his vision of Lex in the field, and she starts to search for anything Luther-related. She also puts on the Dr. Fate helmet to find out where Oliver is, because he went missing in the last season's finale. Tess wakes up at Cadmus Labs with her face, which used to be burned off, fixed entirely. She finds a ton of failed Lex clones. They were made to heal the creator, but the creator is dead, and they are just clones now, just wandering around. Uh, and she kidnaps the boy Lex, uh, Alexander. Clark faces against an older Lex in the episode as well, nearly killing him, which makes Jarrell very disappointed in his boy. So before Clark can don on the new suit, Jarrell keeps it hidden in the fortress until he is ready. By the end of the episode, Clark has a chat with the ghost of Jonathan, who is doing chores even after death. Hey, you know, someone has to do them now that Clark spends all his time in Metropolis and Martha's doing some whatever in Washington. The purpose of this little chat was mostly to keep Clark on the right side of life and that he's doing just fine, not to take Jarrell too seriously. And just to remember, something dark is coming, but he disappeared before he could explain just what that is. But we get a glimpse of what that is. Dark side. Episode 2 is called Shield. I call this one the one with Deadshot. So Lois is now in Africa on assignment. Perry White relocated her there to research something called the Tomb of Isis. Isis, of course, is in the fifth episode of the season, so we haven't quite gotten her there yet. Gee, I wonder if it has anything to do with the Isis Foundation. Probably not. In Africa, she meets up with the Hawkman dude, played by Michael Shanks, who is her husband in the Saving Hope show. The funniest thing about this is... His character in Smallville is all about star-crossed lo lovers who die a million times, are reborn, and fall in love with each other in each lifetime. It's poetic and tragic at the same time because they have to watch each other die. The point is, Lois and Hawkman play different characters in another show because it's basically another life where they're in love. No, she's not Hawkgirl, but gosh darn, she should be, right? Anyway, never mind. Cat Grant shows up in this episode as well, playing the much more classic variation of Cat Grant. Obsessed with Clark, jealous of Lois, you know, annoying, stuff like that. This, the version in Supergirl is more like the Devil Wears Prada boss. The villain that shows up in this episode is the legendary Deadshot, you know, the same guy that Will Smith plays in the Suicide Squad movie. Well, that's the general idea here. Uh, last season, we had hints that the Suicide Squad would play a part in the show, and here's our first clue that it's happened. Not only do we see Deadshot, we also see the Suicide logo, uh, Suicide Squad logo, and then the start of the group forms, including Plastique, who we've seen before. A side story this episode followed was Oliver trying to find Chloe, just as she was trying to find him in the last episode. He, his discovery is that she's dead. Well, not really. She took a cyanide pill. That much is true. But Oliver found out she also took a cyanide antidote, faked her own death. Wouldn't be the first time, guys. But anyway, a cyanide antidote? 
is that a real thing? But by the end of the episode, Clark shows off his new suit, uh, which is that red leather jacket, blue t-shirt combo. And now, I, while I appreciate the inclusion of the colors, I hate to say it, but doesn't this just mean he's back to being the red-blue blur, blur, like I said before? It sort of hurts to know he has the suit, and he just created this random leather jacket thing as a placeholder. I digress. Episode 3 is called Supergirl. I call this one the one with J. Jonah Jameson. Alright, so we all know J.J. Jameson is the character in Spider-Man and Marvel Comics and certainly not known in the world of Superman, but you do have a podcasting media personality giant that seems to be the exact same thing. He even calls heroes menaces, uh, which is something Jameson's famous for. The idea here is that good old Darkseid has possessed him and it he is forcing him to be bad, even though he was kind of already bad to begin with. And of course, Supergirl returns in this episode. Apparently, Jarrell has given up on Clark because he isn't flying yet. So Supergirl attempts to teach Clark how to fly again. He even begins to fly before he crashes back down, doubting his abilities. Clark and Supergirl fight off a dark side possessed, possessed villain, but he easily escapes again. By the end of the episode, Kara donned a super secret identity with a dark wig and glasses, and after all this hoopla with the bad guys trying to unveil the identity of the Green Arrow and due to his guilt over Chloe faking her death to keep his identity a secret, Oliver finally reveals to the press that he is Green Arrow, and I'll be honest, like I said before, I remember this happening way earlier in the series and always waiting to see it happen, because... I remember distinctly the scene in Iron Man essentially being the same thing. I just remember, or thought I remembered them happening at the same time. But this was years and years later. Anyways. Episode 4 is called Homecoming. I call this one the one that's the 200th episode. As this is a special episode, and as this is the final season, you know what this episode will do. Pay tribute to its origins, and this episode centers around Clark's high school reunion where you see people from previous seasons, episodes, and the Office of the Torch, and everything. Now, I'm not entirely sure how this calculates out to, I think it's supposed to be the five, fifth year reunion because each season isn't always taking place a year later. Anyways, I guess it's not important. What is, though, is that Brainiac is back. Brainiac 5 from the future. If you're unfamiliar with this variation of Brainiac, it's the good one. In Smallville, he was basically just reprogrammed by Legion to be good and is there to help Clark forgive himself and to help him become who he's supposed to be. And he does this essentially by being the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. Clark tries to touch the re Legion ring to get back to where he was and he's sent to the future to basically that vision we saw in the last season finale lois puts gl glasses on clark there's a newspaper that reads superman saves the day a couple of reporters that saw him without his glasses looked at him with glasses and said i told you it's not him it's just a guy from the eighth floor clark finds out in the future lois knows the truth about him then he runs into his future self with his slick black hair uh, slick back hair, rather, horn-rimmed glasses, and a trench coat who flies off to save the day. You do Not that you see much, but you know what's happening because you know who Superman is. You also see the villain in the second episode of the first season 
in this uh, episode. That's the guy who is basically the fly. That turns into a spider-like dude, sh- uh, shoots webs like Spider-Man, and uh, has super strength. That guy. Turns out he's an okay dude now. He's okay with Clark. All is right in the world because Clark, even though this is a guy who's a villain in the first season, uh, Clark touched him in a way that uh, moved him and changed him. And that's one of the things that Brainiac was trying to ch- uh, show him. At the end of the episode, Clark has a slow dance with Lois in his romantic poop barn and without knowing, floats with her, proving once again he can fly without knowing it. Episode 5 is called Isis. I call this one the one with Super Lois, a.k.a. Isis, or the one where everything is out in the open. So this episode, Lois decides to tell Clark she knows who he is, while Clark decides to tell her who he is. But before either of them can really reveal their secrets, Lois is possessed by Isis, who has superpowers. A majority of this episode is blah, 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 not important. It is as it is what it is. It ends as it begins, though, and Clark reveals his secret to Lois, who's all like, what took you so long? I already knew, dude. And honestly, that's all you need to know about this episode. It's the 10th season. It probably shouldn't have been in there. I mean, the re- revelation of the secret is important, but the whole Isis thing that covered 90% of the episode was not. Episode 6 is called Harvest. I call this one the one with the wicker man. All right, so a while back, there was an infamous film with Nicolas Cage called The Wicker Man, where one of his infamous quotes was, Not the bees! Not the bees! It showed Cage in an old-timey religious village where the people of the town have a secret. They like to sacrifice people. Yeah, the film was a remake, and no, I've never seen the original film since this movie was so bad. You start to question how the original was good enough to be made into a remake, in the first place, but I digress, that's basically what this episode of Smallville was all about. Lois gets trapped in an old-timey religious village that plans to sacrifice her to some kind of entity that allows them to stay healthy and free of illness. What's actually keeping them healthy is blue kryptonite, but they don't know that. The most important element of the episode isn't the majority of what's going on. So it's not about Lois or Clark, it's about Tess and Lex. During that episode with the clones of Lex, Tess brought home the child version of Lex, hopeful to save his life in more ways than one. Well, he's been aging pretty rapidly, and memories of Lex's life start pooling into his brain. By the end of the episode, Lex runs away and cuts off his hair, which makes me want to point something else out. Michael Rosenbaum left the show primarily because he was tired of being bald. He hated having to always get his head shaved every day, every few hours, etc. This Lex never went through the ordeal that made Lex bald in the first place, so he has hair. Technically speaking, Michael Rosenbaum could have returned to the show with his hair, not have to shave it off, not have to wear a head, uh, bald head cap or anything, and it would be explained away. But I get it. The image of Lex being bald is an icon that I'm not sure would have worked if he had hair. Just look at him in anything else. He looks like an entirely different person with hair and definitely not dangerous. So in the end, I digress, it makes sense, but it would have been explained away. Again, not a seriously important episode. The Lex part is, but the whole Lois and Clark stuff and the Wicker Man stuff, they could have been doing other things. Episode 7 is called Ambush. I call this one the one where General Lane tests Clark. 
So you remember our fair general, Lois's father? Well, he shows up at the Kent farm with Lois's sister, Lucy, in tow under the guise of being there for Thanksgiving. Thing is, he's against vigilantes and has come up with the Vigilante uh, Registration Act, uh, something the Suicide Squad sees as an act of war. So, while General Lane is investigating Clark, questioning him, and keeping his eye on him, the Suicide Squad is keeping their eyes on General Lane, eyeing him as their next target. Nothing different really happens in this episode, though. The Suicide Squad gets away, General Lane doesn't change his mind about the vigilantes, but he does lighten up around Clark, and Lois grows a bit of a backbone when dealing with her dad and his strict regulations, and that's about it. Um... So it's important from a family perspective because you know General Lane's a really strict dude and his stance on vigilantes is, is pretty big. Uh, but the most important thing to note in this is the VRA, something I didn't mention before in the storylines because I kind of forgot about it. It's more of a side storyline because it's not throughout the season. It's kind of just in this next few episodes. Uh, but it is what it is. Let's talk about episode 8. Episode 8 is called Abandoned. I call this one the one with Terry Hatcher. Alright, so, Terry Hatcher played Lois in the Dean Cain Superman series Lois and Clark, and she shows up in this episode on video as Lois's mother. Makes sense, right? So in Lois's story, she goes to the caves to be transported to the fortress to ask Jarrell to see Clark what in what she sees. When Clark shows up at the fortress, a hologram of Timothy Dalton as Jarrell and Supergirl as his mother with their final recorded message to Clark before the planet exploded. The idea here is they never doubted he would become Earth's greatest savior. The villain of the episode is Granny Goodness. No, not a sweet old granny that makes cookies, <laughs> which sounds like what her name would be. She's a leader of a strange orphanage who puts it on herself to train orphan girls to be assassins. We know in this episode that Tess grew up in the orphanage and that Granny Goodness is in leagues with Darkseid. By the end of the episode, you discover, discover Tess's true identity of Lutessa Luna, Lena Luther. Episode 9 is called Patriot. I call this one the one with the Vigilante Re Registration Act. I can't say Vigilante. I don't I, I don't know. So as mentioned before, the government has enacted something called the Vigilante Re Registration Act, the VRA, and it's time the Justice League discovers what's in store for the heroes that register. So, Oliver is the first to sign up. At the forefront of this act is Colonel Slade Wilson, also known as Deathstroke in the comics. You know him much, much better in the Arrowverse series, but it's important to note who's playing him in Smallville. Michael Hogan from Battlestar Galactica fame. This dude is pretty famous in the realm of sci-fi and paranormal shows and movies alike, and he's almost always a bad dude, probably no thanks to his iconic voice that's impossible to mimic. Trust me, I've tried. It makes me choke and, and uh, cough and whatever. So the Green Arrow enlists, and lo and behold, they're kidnapping heroes and torturing them under the guise of working for them, or with them. So Clark, Aquaman, and Mira save Oliver from their clutches and end the episode talking about the darkness that is coming dark side meanwhile slade wilson gets an eye patch which you know slade wilson needs his eye patch to be slade wilson or deathstroke or whatever episode 10 is called luther i call this one the one with the alternate universe 
Alright, so this is a special episode where Clark is transported to an alternate universe or alternate Earth where Lionel Luther is alive and well because Lionel found Clark in the field instead of the Kents. Though, he still calls him Clark, which is technically Martha's family name, so I'm not sure why Lionel calls him that instead of something like Lars or Liam or Lincoln or Leonardo, something with an L. Uh, comic books really do like those double-letter names. In this alternate universe, Clark's alter ego is Ultraman. Meanwhile, in the real world, Ultraman is making his debut. He, by the way, can fly. Of course he can. Every version of Clark other than Clark can fly. This entire episode is pretty unimportant overall. Just a special episode. Clark has to find a way to get back, which he does. And in the process of everything, he finds out the truth about Tess being a Luther, and the alternate universe Lionel ends up in the real world. That's the most important thing that happens in this episode. Clark finds out Tess is Lutessa, and Lionel ends up in the real world. Episode 11 is called Icarus. I call this one the one where Clark proposes to Lois. Now, I don't want to get too particular here. But when Clark proposed to Lana, it was during the 100th episode, in a very memorable and Superman-like way. My point is, I'm not a girl, I don't have proposal fantasies, but I'd imagine that the 100th episode was up there as far as romantic things goes. His proposal to Lois was special, but not epic. He makes it snow flower petals in the streets of Metropolis before he asks her, to which she says yes, of course, but here's what really aggravates me. It was just the 200th episode. A few episodes ago, it was the 200th episode. Now and then, I feel as if Lana was written to be Clark's one and only, and they're doing the best they can with Lois, and Erica Durrance, by the way, is doing an absolutely amazing job with her acting prowess when it comes to showing off her feelings. Anyways, you quickly forget about the proposal in the episode as it happens in the beginning of the episode, and the rest was just the heroes fighting against Deathstroke, a.k.a. Slade Wilson, and his endless tyranny against the vigilantes. There are hints about the spreading darkness, and Hawkman finally dies, but don't worry, we all know he's a reincarnator. By the end of the episode, something pops out of the ground and knocks everyone out cold. Ooh. Episode 12 is called Collateral. I call this one the one in the Matrix. So when all the heroes passed out in the last episode... They think everything's fine in the next as they return home with no memory of what happened to them until Chloe returns in the form of Morpheus Trinity and Neo from the Matrix combined to tell them that this world is not real and they have to head to the top of the Daily Planet building and take a leap of faith since there's a portal over the ledge that will transport them to the real world. But if they don't believe that they are in a fake world 100% then they will die during the plummet. The Green Arrow trusts her first, and they jump off, then the Black Canary, then Clark and Lois are last, as it's more of a metaphorical thing for him that keeps him grounded, so to speak, you know. So Lois helps him trust Chloe again, and before they make the jump, Clark flies around the Daily Planet with her, which may mark the first time he himself has knowingly flown, even if it was because it's a Matrix thing. It helped him open up more to the possibility of flight, later on. After that, they wake up, work with Chloe and the Suicide Squad to get out of the grips of the VRA and to get back home.
Episode 13 is called Beacon. I call this one the one where they reopen Watchtower. So this episode isn't exactly one that you'll remember very well, but it does have some important things to notice. First of all, Martha Kent gets shot while making a speech, and Clark discovers the bullet was made of kryptonite. Alternate Lionel is also in the episode who finds young Lex, who has grown up to Lucas Gabriel again, and we find out Lex shot Martha, hoping Clark would jump in front of the bullet and get hit. But of course, the episode ends with the VRA being repealed and the heroes reopening Watchtower. You also learn one magnificent fact about Lex. His skin is impenetrable. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Fun fact, Lex once again has hair in the series, which doesn't make a lot of sense given how adult Lex is bald in the future, which signify he likes being bald, but not this version, I guess. Not only that, but younger version of this very Lex shaved his head because he wanted to shave his head, but older version, he just grew it back out. It's confusing. I don't know. I remember one thing about this episode, though. There is a montage of videos in the end uploaded by civilians letting the Blur know that there are still people in the city that support him. These videos were actually uploaded by real fans of Smallville. I think if I remember correctly, I submitted a video to this as well, but mine was not chosen for the show. Very cool. Episode 14 is called Masquerade. I call this one the one where Clark Kent gets a disguise, or the one where Oliver and Chloe have a date night. So there are two very distinct things going on in this episode, and you may remember the glasses part uh, the most because it's a part of the entire Superman mythos, but you may also remember the entire Oliver and Chloe thing because it's clearly inspired by the Steve Carell and Tina Fey comedy where they assume a different couple's identity, and because they do that, they are mistaken for the real couple and are taken hostage. The movie itself is a comedy, but the subject matter can be taken seriously, which is what Smallville ultimately did, which is cool. Usually they just straight up copy the movie version, and this time they took a slight variation on the genre, which changed it up enough. Anyways, the glasses thing was important. It was all about the blur coming uh, more and more into the limelight, which is threatening Clark's identity. Lois first thinks to disguise the Blur more by giving him a mask and hood like the Green Arrow, uh, but Clark is against it. Super speed would knock the hood off, and he wouldn't be able to see anything at night with uh, sunglasses. Anyways, at the end of the episode, you find out that Oliver has been possessed by the darkness, or the Mark of the Beast, whatever you want to call it. Fun fact. Clark uses microvision in this episode, and he even calls it by name, confusing Lois and the rest of the audience. I mean, sure, we've seen him use it in the past, but you usually chalk it up to a different power. But microvision is a real thing. It just should have had its own episode being uh, introduced. The earlier seasons usually had a single episode. Clark learns a new power. He uses that power to save the day. Uh, It focuses a lot on what it means for Clark. Him just having this power matter-of-factly is a bit disappointing because the audience knows very little about it, but the effect of the irises spinning around like a lock was pretty nice. Episode 15 is called Fortune. I call this one the one with the hangover. During this period in time, the hangover films with Bradley Cooper were pretty popular, and a few TV shows incorporated the same idea into their show for special fun little episodes, which essentially is what this episode is. It even begins exactly the same, with the main character waking up to a strange animal and absolutely no memory of what occurred the night before. Throughout the episode, they have to dig through clues to discover the hilarious answer as to what happened. And you know what? 
it's not really that important. Nothing really important happens in this episode. It was just a fun, fun little episode. That's all. Episode 16 is called Scion. I call this one the one with Superboy. In the comics, Superboy was Connor Kent, a clone of Superman that was created after his death due to the Doomsday. In Smallville, Alexander presumes the name Connor because it's the only thing he saw on his file after he lost his memory completely. C-N-R. He has Clark's abilities because he is a genetic clone that's part Lex and part Clark, essentially a genetic love child of Clark and Lex, though Clark doesn't like to hear that uh, put exactly that way. He even donned the real Superboy suit, which is essentially just a black t-shirt with the red Superman symbol. Now, essentially, this episode is rather irrelevant. The only thing you need to know is that Lionel tries to get his son back by giving him red kryptonite, which works for a short while before Clark comes and saves the day again. Mopey little Lionel talks to Lex's grave and says he wished he could have ruled the galaxy as father and son, more or less, and from out of the grave comes Zombie Lex! Just kidding, Darkseid shows up eyeing the meat suit that is Lionel, and that's how that episode ends. Episode 17 is called Kent. I call this one the one with the return of Ultraman, or the one with alternate Jonathan. Ultraman, of course, is the Clark found in the alternate universe that the alternate Lionel originated from. The two Clarks once again switch places again in this episode, which means it's mostly just rehashing what we've already seen. The only difference here is Jonathan shows up in the alternate universe, which gives Clark some more closure, as if he hadn't already gotten it a million times before. When Clark once again returns to Earth, he takes Ultraman to the fortress and tells him he doesn't have to live the same way anymore. Yada, yada, yada. Beacon of light, hope, end of story. Ultraman goes to alternate Fortress Assaulted to assumably eventually become Ultimate Superman. Let's just ignore the fact that he murdered countless people in his world, including Oliver, right before this very episode, and was gunning for alternate Lionel in the real world. Yeah, he can be redeemed, right? Completely. He can be Superman. Sure. Seems legit. Anyways, it's important to note that the lack of importance in this episode. A couple of passing facts you may miss. Connor is no longer in Smallville. He's in Washington, D.C. now with Martha, and Martha handed over the deed to the farm to Clark and Lois. Doesn't make a ton of sense given Clark won't spend all that much time at the farm. In the com comics, he would always go back to see Martha at the farm, but their decision to move her to D.C. to get her off the show is just a weird one when they could have just taken away the farm altogether instead. But I get it. The show is called Smallville, so Smallville needed to stay on the show for the meantime. It's not like they hang out at Smallville High or the Talon anymore, so it has to be the farm. By the end of the episode, Clark agrees to call the realtor. It's time to get rid of the farm, too. Episode 18 is called Booster. I call this one the one with Booster Gold. It is sad to see a DC show run out of ideas or options for heroes, isn't it? <laughs> Um, Booster Gold is a superhero with an overinflated ego that is indeed in the comics, but he's more of an annoyance. But at least that's the point the show is trying to make. You see, he's just one big phony hero that's using knowledge of the future to make saves in the present and win his fame. Basically, back to the future. Clark sets him back on his path, of course, but here's the actual importance of the episode. Lois is attempting to recreate people's view on Clark, so she basically invents the bumbling reporter, which Clark goes through doing and does it very, very well. But as far as importance goes, that's about it.
episode 19 is called Dominion. I call this one the third one in the Phantom Zone. They really like the Phantom Zone in the show, but their use of it in this episode is a little strange. Why? Well, Zod's back. We've always known the real Zod was in the Phantom Zone all along. They were trying to release him back in Season 5, for crying out loud. And this Zod knows who Clark is. You really have to think hard about this to find out why, and even then it doesn't make a ton of sense, unless you simply agree that the other realm that Clark sent Zod's disciples to was simply just the Phantom Zone. I don't think that was the original intent. I think it's an easy out, but not one I care about. Um, the idea here is that Zod from Season 9 met up with the original Zod Phantom that Clark dueled in Season 6 and combined memories from both lives. The entire reason for Clark going to the Phantom Zone in the first place is because he banished Slade Wilson there, and the only person who can open a portal from the inside and let him out is someone from the House of El. Well, don't forget, Clark healed Zod with his blood, which apparently is as good enough to turn them into a family member of the House of El, as far as Kryptonians are considered, so he let out Slade, I guess. Episode 20 is called Prophecy. I call this one the one with Super Lois with Clark's powers. First, we had Super Lois, a.k.a. Stiletto. Then we had Super Lois, a.k.a. Isis. Now we have Super Lois, a.k.a. Super Lois with Clark's powers. When Clark announced he will be marrying Lois, Jarrell tests the relationship in general, and Clark loses his powers for the upteenth time on the series and has them transferred to Lois for a day. This is where she learns the complexities of having abilities you may initially think are just a lot of fun. When he uses super hearing, he hears so many people in pain that he has to ignore to help people in much more uh, danger that need his help faster. Which is very interesting. Meanwhile, the Green Arrow is on a path to find a secret bow that will destroy Darkseid, which of course, it's a bow. And he's Green Arrow. On his little Indiana Jones adventure, he runs into Kara looking for the same thing. In this episode is Toy Man again, and he is now the leader of the Marionette Enterprises, which is yet another group of supervillains. It's clear that one of them is the Dark Archer, and if I'm not mistaken, Captain Cold, but he puts this brainwashing chip on her neck, uh, on Lois's neck that controls her, which he uses to make her kill the blur. So her with powers is going to be an issue, but thankfully the day is over and she is back to normal. All right, so gold kryptonite has been spoken about on the show before since alternate Clark has a scar on his arm made by gold kryptonite. And the idea of gold kryptonite is that it's basically blue kryptonite, but the effects are permanent. It's probably the second most dangerous type there is. Yes, it was mentioned before, but we've never seen it. And we first see it in this episode when Oliver digs it up while under Darkseid's influence. Episode 21 is the first part in the finale. Uh, it's a two-parter. This is the first part. I call it the one with the wedding. So this episode begins with Chloe reading a comic book to her son about Smallville in the future. Now, given the fact that this reality, Superman exists and everything, wouldn't this comic literally be revealing Clark's identity to the world? I digress. If little else, it reveals where Clark came from, and with a little digging, a super fan would discover his true identity. Also, where has Chloe been? <laughs> She's been in like three episodes a season. Okay, fine. We know it's been 11, but 
Was she busy or something? She couldn't be in the season? Was she busy leading a cult? All right, no, never mind, never mind. Let's go back to the episode. Last episode, Lois said she can't marry Clark. The reason why isn't really that important, since it's something we've seen and heard a dozen times before with Lana and other relationships on the show. Uh, what is important is Clark trying to prove to Lois that he has trust in other heroes that roam the city to do their job, allowing him and her to be married. <coughs> He's also battling the fact that he needs to turn into the hero everyone needs him to be, and he questions if that really means letting Lois go, letting Jonathan go, letting Jarrell go, everything. But after they read each other's vows, they have a change in heart and decide to go through with the marriage after all. The marriage itself is thwarted when Oliver attempts to get Clark to wear a gold kryptonite ring, but Chloe notices the ring and knocks it away, and evil Ollie and Clark fight to the death. Not really. Clark basically talks Darkseid out of Oliver. Though Holy Water may have been a part of what saved him in the end, since Darkseid is basically the devil, or at least a demon, and you got the Mark of the Beast and the Apocalypse, so I guess maybe an Antichrist-like fella? Who knows? Meanwhile, a planet is on its way to Earth, and yet no massive Roland Emmerich-sized waves are splashing about. Fun fact, Jonathan's ghost is in this episode as well as the next. <laughs> episode 22 is called Finale Part 2. I call this one the one with Superman, guys. Now, we haven't seen Lionel in the show for a while, but here he is again. He is the current body that Darkseid is occupying. He tells Tess that Lex has cloned himself beyond the Connor clone. He has created the perfect version of himself and will reveal himself when he is ready. He plans to take Tess's heart for the completion of Lex's surgery. He couldn't take Connor's heart because she hit him so cleverly. When she gets away, he has Darkseid take his heart and transfer it to Lex in exchange for Lionel's soul. After a few squabbles of Clark trying to figure out what's going on with the planet crashing down to the Earth, we go back to the lab and see, for the first time in years, Michael Rosenbaum back in the role of Lex Luthor. I could hear my inner cheer for the first time in this episode, and trust me, it happens often in the episode. It's really unfortunate that he had to wear a bald headcap, though, since his head looks a lot bigger than it used to look but some shots are perfect. His interaction with Clark is gold. The only thing that's important to note here is Lex saying their story has only just begun, and Clark's all like, I'll always be there to stop you. Oh, I'm counting on it, says Lex. Clark grabs the crystal from the barn as he's about to head to the fortress to let Jarrell back into his life when he's approached by Darkseid Lionel who attacks Clark and tosses him aside and while in mid-toss, Clark gains the ability to fly. Inner cheers again. He kills Darkseid by flying into him. Lex meets Tess at Luther Court and kills her but in the process, she transfers the neurotoxin that forces him to lose all memories of absolutely everything he went through in the series. In a big way, this is a rewarding win, but it's also kind of a letdown too because it's those memories that really help solidify his role as a huge villain. Uh, Clark goes to the fortress. Jarrell presents the suit to Clark saying he's ready, which the ghost of Jonathan hands him. It's weird, but I'll take it. He grabs the suit and flies off with it. Inner cheer. In mid-flight, the suit just kind of morphs onto his body. You don't really see it happen, but that's clearly what's happening, which, technically speaking, is how the classic films portrayed Clark turning into Superman. Inner cheer. 
So Superman saves Lois on Air Force One, which is going down. Inner cheer. Then Superman flies away and takes care of Apocalypse by flying the planet away in front of everyone. Inner cheer. We cut back to the future when Chloe is finishing the comic book she's reading to her son. You find out she's married to Oliver. Inner cheer, I guess. Cut to Lois in the future at the Daily Planet. You hear Perry White. Inner cheer. You see the real Jimmy alive and well. Inner cheer. Bow tie and all, looking exactly like the fake Jimmy. Then again, they are brothers, and the real actor is actually a twin. Inside joke? Sure, why not? She bumps into clumsy glasses donned Clark. Inner cheer. All is right in the world. Classic John Williams Superman score pops on as Clark rushes off, ripping open his shirt to show the audience the Superman shield in all its infinite glory. Inner flippin' cheer. That's when the show ends. This episode in general gives fans of all ages and gender a reason to shout hooray. When it aired for the first time, I was around 20 years old, so at that point I had been waiting my entire life to watch this happen, and it gives the audience an absolute rush of adrenaline. But it is so, so rushed. He gets rid of Darkseid by simply flying through him? He gets rid of the planet by simply flying it away. You never get a good shot of him in the suit because it's all CGI. The end of the show has him ripping his shirt open to, essentially, a t-shirt with a Superman logo on it, if you look close enough. It never really gets to be perfect, but it does get close. Maybe Tom Welling just didn't want to wear the stinking thing. Maybe it didn't fit and they didn't have a tailor. I don't know. I just wish it was more than just a distant look at his suit. Even so, it's still a very memorable episode in the series, and easily the best for so many reasons. It just could have been a little bit better than showing up in the last five minutes of the season. I digress. Even with the five minutes, it's um, it's amazing. It's amazingly epic, and it's worthwhile. It's worth waiting ten years to watch because it it just gets your adrenaline pumped. But that's it, guys. That's season ten. That is the final season of Smallville. So we are done talking about Smallville. Um, like I said before, um, I'm taking a week off the podcast. Coming back on, uh, I think it's the 29th. Yeah. I'm coming back on the 29th to talk about, oh no, sorry, the 30th, the 30th is a Tuesday, so come back on the 30th to hear the next season start. So season 13 of Smaller on the Outside is going to cover Alias, so on the 30th we'll be talking about Alias season 1, so make sure that you... Hit subscribe, like it, review it, tell your friends about it, because the next show we talk about after Alias could be your favorite. Remember that. Uh, other than that, guys, peace out. Have a good day, good week, good everything. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Smaller on the Outside, the first, the best, and the only small of a podcast that you just can't miss. To learn more about the podcast or to listen to older episodes of the podcast, head over to sotocast.weebly.com. Thank you.